back on Speakeasy Security, the podcast for Set. I'm Ranson. And I'm Tony. Hey, Tony. And I guess I'm glad to be talking about a topic that you and I both have found important, but I think we need to explain a bit more on Speakeasy, and that is the topic of end-to-end encryption. Now, whether we're talking about sending encrypted messages, emails, or perhaps even file storage, end-to-end encryption is a polarizing topic that we have to address in today's world where privacy is paramount. Now, what is end-to-end encryption? Well, in layman terms, and you'll probably correct me on this, Tony, so feel free to chime in when I get done with this bit. End-to-end encryption ensures that your data is encrypted until it reaches in its intended recipient. Now, Tony, tell me how you would define end-to-end encryption, but explain it to me as if I'm a five-year-old. Well, I can't think of you as a five-year-old ransom, but let's try. Um, try. So now imagine we're in a classroom. Sure. And that you and I want to send a note to each other across the classroom, but there are two other children between us. Okay. So I decide, or we decide in the morning, that we will use the alphabet adjusted by three. Okay. So an A is a D, gotcha. and et cetera, et cetera. So a B will be an E, and et cetera. So I write my note, meet you at lunchtime, and meet you at lunchtime looks nothing like meet you at lunchtime because I've adjusted the alphabet by three, right. and it all looks gobbledygook. And I pass it to the the, the, ch- the kid sat next to me and say, hey, can you, say, uh, can you pass this on to Ransom? Now the kid next to me opens it, looks at it, it's garbage, passes it on, yeah. Yeah? yeah? And therein, we've got encryption because he doesn't know what it means, but you at the other end, when you do receive the note, is going to know exactly what yeah, it make, means. it'll make perfect sense to me. Right, okay. Yeah. So that's how I would explain it to a five-year-old <laughs> right. because I think they would understand about their note going up the classroom. Yeah. Now, yeah. who started this? There's a good, good question. Okay. Yeah, who started it? It was the Greeks. Really? The Caesar cipher. The Caesar cipher. Okay. So this wasn't Caesar Roman. Hold on. (laughs) Was he Roman or was he? I don't know. It it was back in in the uh, back in Greek days where they somebody created cipher of this simple form. Now, of course, you've got to agree that you adjust the alphabet by three. So, how does this all translate in today's? Because that's not quite the way it works, because that would be a bit simple, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So today we have public and private keys. So if you're going to send me an encrypted message, you send me your public key. I encrypt the message using your public key, but the pair of keys work together. So only when my message gets back to you, you will decrypt it with your private key. So the two keys work in in harmony. So therefore, anybody in the middle, even though you sent your public key to me in clear text, isn't going to be able to decrypt the message without your private key. Gotcha, gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Gotcha. So so you only, uh, in effect, allow a a, a small piece of it to go to the other end. And that's how it works. So when you start a messaging service and it says this messaging service is end-to-end encrypted, when we have a chat over that messaging service, we exchange our public keys 
and the messages are encrypted and they're decrypted using private keys. The private key. Okay, so one that's an incredible way to put it and thanks for picturing me as a five-year-old because I think that's the only way the average person will probably get it, right? Encryption is such a deep dive tech um, concept that uh, there's folks with advanced degrees uh, that are still figuring out um, algorithms for encryption. But I have a question then, just the average person, if you wanted to, or if someone wanted to intercept the message between two people that had encryption, would that even be possible? Well, you can intercept the message, but it's not going to be any, uh, meaningful to you. Okay. I mean, there are there are obviously downsides. So that's a, that's somebody sitting in the middle. So when you send me that message over the internet, you know, it's going through your ISP, my ISP, and there's all this communication between somebody could sit in the middle, take the message off or look at the message and it's going to be encrypted. So they're not going to know what it is. However, if somebody installed malware on your device, then they're seeing it post encryption. Okay. So there are ways that a bad person could see this message if they really wanted to, but not as the man in the middle. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes perfect sense too. So, it may help to ease a few concerns for those that are curious about if encryption, and we're going to get into this, if encryption can be broken or if those messages could be, as you mentioned, not just intercepted, but of course read. So why are people up in arms about end-to-end -end encryption these days, Tony? I mean, there's a lot of discussion happening. We've seen some things. We're going to get into it on this episode, but why are people talking about end-to-end encryption as if things are about to change for this industry? Well, there's two sides to this discussion. There's the privacy advocates who uh, believe that end-to-end -end encryption is good, and we'll come back to the reasons why it's good in, in a moment. And then there's law enforcement on the other side who would prefer there not to be end-to-end -end, end -end encryption because they would like to see the messages, if possible, flying between people that might not be might not be doing the right things. Yeah, uh, whatever those things are, whether it's child abuse, whether it's paedophilia or, or in that camp, or whether it's criminals yeah. communicating with each other or potential terrorists. Absolutely. I mean, that's the other other area we see this. So there is, a, there is still a debate. And let's be clear, this debate has been going on for, oh, it's got to be seven or eight years. Sure, sure. Um, and in fact, WhatsApp have been encrypt, uh, encrypting their messages, I think, since 2014. So that gives you some wow. indication of how long this has been, okay. been going on. And it's, it's an important discussion because if you put some way of breaking the encryption into the encryption, then it weakens the encryption. Sure. Because by definition, it means somebody can actually intercept, could intercept it and crack the encryption. Wow. Wow. So you, you do have, and I, and I appreciate you putting into that context because it's not all, um, it's not just black and white. So you're right. There are those two sides. So in your opinion, do you believe that tech companies should be putting back doors in encryption to stop these kinds of bad crimes that you just mentioned? Well, if you could put the back door into encryption and turn and say, nobody else will ever have access to it and it will never be abused or an oppressive government will never use it to spy on their citizens, or then there's lots of reasons you could turn and say, yeah, what a great idea. 
But as we know, uh, oppressive governments will <laughs> use it to spy on their citizens. Cyber criminals will, if they got hold of it, would use it to look to see what's in these messages. And then you might get things for, a lot of, for example, like sextortion campaigns, because somebody might be sending you know, things backwards and forwards between two lovers that maybe they don't want in the public domain. Right, right. So there's all sorts of ways it could be abused or misused if it fell into the wrong hands. And let's be clear, if you put that ability in, as you and I both know, somebody will work out how to abuse it at some yeah. time. Because yeah. you're building in something potentially that is a vulnerability that could be used. Or it could be used by the person that's actually meant to hold on to it. Ooh, that's another good point. You're right. I mean, it's like your IT administrator. You implicitly yeah. trust them, don't you? Yeah. But do you trust the person sitting at a tech company who's got the ability to decrypt? Right. Yeah. See, that's huge. So both of those points are pretty valid. And I'm just curious now with the conversation, which is now happening, right? As you mentioned with law enforcement and of course the tech companies, uh, I just have recently seen that WhatsApp, you know, they announced that they're going to add end to end encryption on backups. So do you think that the average person would know what to do with this or even how they're going to benefit? Well, so there is a weakness. Uh, so WhatsApp added encryption all those years, years ago. But not all messaging services have end-to-end -end encryption. So, for example, Facebook Messenger doesn't unless you start a secret chat. Okay. But one of, the one of the weaknesses that what's in WhatsApp's configuration was if you then decide to back up your WhatsApp messages and conversations to iCloud or uh, Google Drive or one of the other backup services or one of the other shared drive services they support, then the messages are not encrypted. So they're adding end-to-end -end encryption with the messaging that you're backing up, therefore closing that loop that somebody could actually read the messages if they got access to wherever, wherever it is you're storing it. Well, those are great points, Tony. So I have to ask, and we're putting this in the form and the version so that the average person can understand how would the average person be put at risk if backdoors on software or encryption is actually allowed? Well, if, if you put that backdoor in place, then you've got this issue that obviously it could be abused. Now, if, if you take, let's talk about legitimate abuse of it first. I mean, that's probably a, a, a good place to start. You know, what happens if your ISP starts looking at the messages that flow through and starts then injecting ads will start selling what it is you're talking about for advertising purposes. Um, and bear in mind, you know, there is legislation in place already that allows the ISP to collect your browsing history, which, of course, a, a number of ISPs have said they don't collect it. They've made that commitment. And most of our browsing stuff is encrypted anyway because it's over HTTPS, but it doesn't actually mean the, DN the DNS lookups, of course, are not. So right, right. The, the ISPs are... Uh, you know, potentially could read your messages. So that's not a good place to be, is it? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And it could be abused for commercial purposes. Now, if you think about cyber criminals, say you and I decide to have a Zoom call this weekend and I turn and say, hey, I'll text you the password over, over a messaging service. Well, suddenly the password was in clear text. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't encrypted. Yet I was trying to be super secure and separate and my send, and my send them, out, send them separately. separately. So there, there we go. Now, now we're passing personal information. 
yeah across this messaging service and if the more and more the more and more circumstances you start thinking about you know if you were in an oppressed country and mm-hmm. you are an activist or you want to know what's going on outside and, and you're communicating with somebody then you've got no place to hide if the encrypt if there's no encryption or if somebody right. can read the encrypted messages yeah. So there are a number of reasons why encrypt, uh, having encryption is really important to us. It, it certainly is. And I think that's, as you said, it's paramount to everything that we're talking about these days with you know, personal information and privacy and the protection laws that I know you're quite familiar with. But again, there's some requirements on the from the end user's perspective, right? We have to take the step. So how much of an effort does it take for the average person? Again, we're putting this back to the general audiences we speak to, how much setup is required from the average person to basically start up and to enable their encryption service? Well, for most uh, most messaging services, and I say most, I mean uh, the common ones like Telegram and Signal and WhatsApp already have encryption turned on. So end-to-end encryption is on by default. However, there are services like Facebook Messenger um, and some others where it's not turned on. But you can have an encrypted conversation, but you have to start what they define as a, I forget, I think it's called a secret conversation, but yeah. as a non-Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. user, uh, you know, you'd have to look that one up and make sure I've got the terminology right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and why don't I use Facebook Messenger? Because it's not encrypted. Because I was going to say it's not encrypted and you certainly aren't going to expose yourself to that. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. And I think this is a great place for us to have a have a sip of something cold and refreshing. So, Tony, you know me. I love my IPAs. And here's one that is certainly on my short list. I have a Latitude 33 Blood Orange IPA. And as they say, this is not your typical IPA. Super crisp, super refreshing. It's something that you want. And hopefully we'll get some of these on a sunny summer day. Uh, and it's absolutely delicious. If you haven't tried it, give Latitude 33 a a drink. What about you, sir? Well, I will need to try one of those, but I'm yeah. I'm being really good this week, actually, Branson. Yeah. I've got a vitamin water, oh. zero, <laughs> and it's the Cool Blueberry Lavender. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's actually rather nice, but yeah, yeah I'll wait for my beer uh, for beer o'clock to beer come o'clock. along later on. Beer o'clock later sounds good to me. I will get a jump on that with you and cheers you, and say here we go. Okay. Hmm. Wow, that is good. Okay, so we're going to switch it up a little bit more, and we're going to talk about uh, the things that make encryption such a touchy subject. And you you touched on it earlier, and that's the law enforcement angle. So do you happen to know, and I know you operate in a few circles that you can or maybe you can't speak to, but do you feel or do you know that law enforcement are actually proponents of end-to-end encryption, or do they see it kind of as a layer that's protecting the identities, the anonymity and the location and potentially the personal information of the criminals that are using the services. I think most law enforcement people would turn and say end-to-end encryption is good for a for pers- you know, the personal side of sending personal information. Okay. But at the same time, it may r- limit law enforcement's ability to actually investigate crime or investigate something they think is going going bad. Child abuse is one of those subjects where on social media platforms you have predators uh, trying to engage with their victims 
in that way. And of course, if law enforcement can read those messages or those messages can be seen and looked at, then obviously you're building a case and bringing those, you know, helping to bring those people to justice. And maybe this is where there should be some compromise. Maybe, yeah, maybe, um, maybe if you're of a child's age, I, uh, and I say child's age, I mean, that sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? If you're of an age that's that's not an adult, and I say that because, of course, it's different in different places in the world, sure, sure. then maybe there's a case that actually the encryption being used in those cases does have some type of backdoor mechanism in it for law enforcement purposes. But once you become of an adult consenting age, then actually maybe that end-to-end encryption doesn't have a backdoor. Yeah. So I believe there should be some compromise. But the problem is, is um, of course, people can lie on social yeah, media about certainly. their age and such like, but let's allow that most people don't want to be 25 when they're only 20. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because bear in mind, if you're, if you're 13 and you put your 18, when you get to 20, you're 25. Sure, so sure. So you don't yeah. want to grow, to grow old too quickly. Um <laughs> But my point is, is maybe would that be complicated for technology companies to do? Yeah, but I think that would be quite a good compromise yeah. solution because at the moment what you see is the, the compromise is, well, technology companies need to build in some form of backdoor so right. that if law enforcement come to them with a warrant, so with legal grounds to look at a conversation that they can, it can be decrypted and they can look at it. But of course, as I said earlier on, if you've got this ability, then somebody will, somebody at some stage in the future will find some way of abusing yes. that backdoor. Yes, yeah. agreed. So maybe that backdoor should only exist for a limited number of users. Agreed. And I actually love that framework that you put out there. And hopefully there's there are people that are thinking that way because I think it could work. Uh, but again, maybe there's just a different position there. So those are great points and I hope they do take those points into consideration and maybe there are people that are working on it now. So Tony, what about the legal ramifications? Now, how does weakening encryption play out if a consumer of one of these messaging services had their data compromised as a result of a backdoor place within it? That's a great question. And I'd love to know the answer. And I say that because if somebody sat in the middle of the conversation and they took off the data. Yeah, they took the data, and they could see it in plain text because they've got some method of decrypting it, because they're they're in effect abusing the 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 back door that was put into it. Is that a data breach? Yeah. yeah. Now, depending on what's flowing in that data stream, it probably isn't, it is. yeah. because it might not have any personal identification going backwards and forwards in it. However, if the message includes the IP address then the IP address under Californian law is personal information. Mm. But under other privacy legislation, IP address isn't always seen as personal information. So I I think that's a question for a uh, privacy lawyer at yeah, some stage yeah. in the future sure. if that scenario should ever actually happen. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it's a good scenario to ask, right? I think that's super uh, interesting. And again, potentially a likelihood if they do happen to put these back doors in it. So Tony, this has been a great discussion and I hope everyone here is understanding the importance, but also the benefits of end-to-end -end encryption. But in true speakeasy style, I'm going to get you to potentially just summarize maybe the top three things that you want to leave everyone here with some good advice with. So what are the top three things regarding end-to-end -end encryption for people that they can either do right now or that they should know? 
Well, so the first thing is for parents, actually, because we've we've talked about uh, potential child abuse. If your if your child is receiving messages from somebody on a platform like this, you need to report it. Uh, don't delete the messages because the messages are evidence that it was happening and what was happening and actually law enforcement may actually need those messages. And bear in mind, when you take the device to law enforcement, regardless of the platform, whether it's encrypted or not encrypted, they can see it because you're holding the device. Yeah, So they can yeah. see the communication going back yeah. and forwards. So that's one of the, uh, the arguments that actually for end-to-end encryption, because if you're reporting it, you can see it anyway. Um, Point. So, that, so that's a, that's an important uh, that's an important piece of advice. So make sure you do don't just ignore it. Don't cut the communication. Don't delete the messages. Go and find help. If you're using a messaging service and you want your want to be assured of privacy, then make sure whatever messaging service it is you use has end to end encryption. So, for example, WhatsApp, Signal, or yeah, the popular ones typically have end-to-end encryption. It's pretty easy to find in their privacy policy. They will state it. Uh, so just look up end-to-end encryption. I love all three of those, Tony. Those are great. And I think there's a lot of information that we can include. So um, at the bottom, as always, of each episode, we'll put some links in. Uh, there's a really good, actually, video that we're going to share that gives everyone at least some information around what end-to-end encryption is. Same way that we explained it earlier to a five-year-old, but also some items that are in the current news cycle. So we hope that everyone gets something out of this. I certainly did, Tony. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Ranson, as always. All right. We'll see everyone next week on Speak Easy. Speak Easy.